Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joel Howden, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah, just just about hanging on in there, right? Yeah, there's, you know, you can't really report on any life events, nothing interesting has happened, I haven't really done anything. Did some shopping, that was fun. Uh, and then my life has been the same every day for the last month. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of just feeling like collective Groundhog Day, really, at the moment. Um, most of my days feel like they're exactly the same. Uh, I'm still i don't know i don't know what day i'm on now like <laughs> i was quite good at counting down the days originally but i don't know i, I believe you're on somewhere on the line no, i definitely lost track oh, you, well after that i think were you on 32 was, last time we recorded then i must be oh was it not on 42 last time we recorded no, i don't 32, know 32 32 i really don't know my uh i guess my my self-isolation started 11th of march so yeah, we'll see. <laughs> count back from then, count forward from then, I guess. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do that now. That's, uh, I'm on 47 apparently, yeah, day 47 of self isolation. Well, you were wrong last week then. <laughs> I was wrong, yeah, exactly, exactly. It shows you. <laughs> Sometime before last week, I lost count of the days. Good to know I'm on day 47 now though. I, I definitely have recorded evidence of you saying 32, but <laughs> never mind. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no, man, I mean... No, I am on, on day 47, and I thought I was keeping it together, but I, I guess not. I can't count anymore. Yeah, I mean, thank God for the internet, right? Yeah, definitely. It's the only thing keeping definitely. me remotely sane. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm, again, feel like I'm quite quite well-adjusted to this this lockdown lifestyle, definitely. Um, things are good here for me. So I'm thankful for that, definitely. I know not everybody's in the, the same position I am, but I, I'm quite enjoying things being pretty stable and being able to, to work at a, a, a schedule that kind of fits me a bit better as well. How are you, how are you holding up? Is, is there anything that's changed for you? Or are you still still where you were last week? <laughs> I mean, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I play World of Warcraft until I fall asleep. Uh, occasionally I check Twitter to see how Magic the Gathering has been ruined that day. Uh, and then I repeat. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hell of a it's a hell of a schedule. Uh, I mean, yeah, I spend a lot of time talking to people online and you know, chatting with friends and talking about this and that. And <sighs> that's about it, really. It's hard to be exciting. It's hard to do anything exciting or talk about anything exciting when this is just everything's the same every day. Yeah, I definitely, definitely feel like things are in a bit of a, a Groundhog Day state. As I said before, I mean, I, I'm very much the same. Wake up in the morning, I go to work, but work is my office, which is about, I don't know, 40 steps from my bed, maybe. Like, <laughs> Must be nice to have an not, office. Not very far. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I guess it's an office. It's a, it's a spare room that has a computer in and stuff, so I guess I'm calling it my office now. So, yeah. If I, if I turn around, my feet are on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my office is uh, so yeah so I, I'm going to go from my bedroom to my office and spend most of the time in here um, weekends are quite similar too because that's why I play arena as well I've been playing a lot of arena still uh, determined I guess to hit mythic will it happen 
who knows? I think if it is going to happen, this is definitely the month that's going to do so. Uh, I'm currently sat on one win away from Diamond uh, Tier 1. Season ends in two days, so uh, fingers crossed I've got time to get there. Yeah, like I said, just ignore your wife. Ignore your dogs. Tell your managers that you're working. My dogs are both in here right now with us while we're recording. And my wife is currently, I think she's about 300 hours deep in Animal Crossing, so things are going good. That sounds like a, a fun and exciting household. <laughs> we are. Oh, we've got a great household, yeah. <laughs> household of gamers. Yeah. Rise up. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We should start talking about magic before this podcast completely falls apart. We should, yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to try my best to, to do a bit of a positive show this week. We were very negative on magic as a whole last week, but I, th- I think it's also understandable to, to feel that way. I think if you look at stuff like tournament results and and high level competitive magic which is stuff that we typically like to follow things that we've seen this week pretty much just echo what we saw last week there's very little change there and with like Ikoria not actually being released in most of the world yet I I think it's unlikely that things are going to change anytime soon so I think I think it's time where it is very very easy to be very negative about magic and totally understandable and acceptable to feel that way but I, I think at least for me I want to try and find the positives where they are some it feels strange having to like try to work for it for once but I'm, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to approach this with a bit of a, a different or positive mindset so I guess this week really I want to take a bit of a look back on 2019 which definitely feels like the year that it all started to go wrong and I want to try and find some cards that I personally really enjoyed and, and was quite excited by. Uh, I I don't know if they all, if I feel exactly the same about them in this post Ikoria world as I as I do, as at least I did pre Ikoria. But I've definitely got a, a good few cards that I, I want to talk about as cards that I think were, were real successes or real sort of shining lights, at least for me personally in this past year of Magic. So I can only imagine that all those cards that you're about to list are completely unplayable. Uh, most of them, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, yeah. I mean, if it's your job to try and make a positive episode of this podcast, it's absolutely my job to de- derail it and just inject the ne- negativity that I do every week. Awesome. I'm I'm on board for that, as always. Cool. So I've got, I, <laughs> I've got a list of eight cards that I want to talk about. Um, I'm sure you may have a card or two that you enjoyed in the past year, too. Nope. You want to bring up... Nope. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like magic cards, Drew. <laughs> Awesome. I've definitely got a small list here. I also have a dishonourable mention, so I think I'm going to start with that one. Go on. We've got some feelings about this card, so my dishonourable mention, before we get into the cards that I loved, were uh, is definitely Urza, Lord High Artificer. I think we all know the card by now, so I don't really need to, to read it out, but I I think Urza is, is a fantastic card. I think that's quite understated because we all know how powerful it is. But I think like the flavour is spot on. It's it's cool. It's a really cool card. It's it's very it's very easy to see how you build around it. But I think it very much encompasses Urza as a character. It's a very good representation of of Urza, the character as a magic card. I think it's fantastic. It's definitely one of the cards that really excited me that was released last year. But it makes my dishonorable mention list because although it is a very cool card, I just think it's it's far too easy to abuse, and we saw that in just a number of formats. And 
you know, it, it was it was the cause of Bannings and Commander, and it's it's just not a fair card. Very, very often is is it a fun card? Um, I I love it in Cube though. I think Cube is definitely the the place where the, this card should live. I mean, I think like you said, it's a very well designed card. It's a very cool design. I think it, it's a weird sort of amalgamation of top down design from within Magic's own law. Yeah, because Urza never had a card before, so I think if you're trying to design what Urza would do, it kind of has to be sort of this weird, because Urza's like such a such a huge figure in in like old Magic lore that you have to go within your own to the to the archives, right, to try and design a card that looks yeah. looks and feels like Urza. But I think it, it's one of those cards that just follows this this sort of weird trend we've been seeing over the last twelve months, maybe a bit longer, of them trying to design c- cool, interesting maybe lore cards or like cards they want to design for commander and then just massively missing the mark and making something completely busted. Cause if you look at yeah. stuff like uh, field of the dead, which I am convinced was designed as a cool commander card. And oh, yeah, I fully agree. Which is completely busted. Uh, go which, uh, which was just a cool commander card that just it happened to be very, very good in constructed formats. Yeah. Golos was, it was the throw in five color commander in the core set when they said, Oh yeah, we're going to have cards. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to increase the legend count. Every set's going to have more legends, and you'll see cards that are designed for Commander. Golos was clearly one of those cards. Yeah, and it's a thing I think they shouldn't do. I don't think they should design cards specifically for Commander, because then you just end up with busted cards. And I complained about this last week, and I'll complain about it all the time. But then <laughs> it ends with stuff like Kin and Bond or Prodigy, Prodigy, right? Yeah. Where they're trying to design something that kind of feels feels Commandery, feels kind of like a like more of a casual power level than a than a strictly constructive power level um, and then it just ends up being completely busted yeah totally I also kind of feel like like Urza Lord High Officer is, is is what Planeswalkers would have looked like if they'd been designed in like Legends or something just a crap like load of weird activated abilities right yeah just, just a bunch of like oh here's an iconic character iconic legendary character and here's just like a bunch of like activated abilities rather than like yeah, oh, yeah. loyalty and loyalty abilities I think Urza and like I guess even like Yogmoth, if you want to look at Yogmoth from the same set, they very much to me look like if you you went back in time and you told Richard Garfield, I guess, oh planeswalkers, planeswalkers are a thing, this is what they can do, but you just sort of vaguely outlined what they were like and he was like, Well, I'm working on legends, I'm gonna slip them in here. I think that this is this is what they would look like and I think it's quite cool. Yeah, I think I think it, it, it's a good way of translating the power of a planeswalker onto a magic card. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of like in a vacuum, sort of not thinking about the repercussions it's going to have on any kind of magic format, even limited, it's a very cool design for a card. But just yeah. the numbers were just all wrong, and the, the synergies it has with basically every card ever printed is uh, <laughs> just too powerful to actually make it a reasonable magic card. Yeah. And I, th- I think you see that a lot on just a lot of magic cards where like they've done a really cool design and then just up, oh, oops, this is broken. I don't, I don't like that sort of that theme we're seeing through a lot of magic cards yeah definitely I, I agree there for what it's worth I, I definitely agree cool let's see how I can ruin your first card on the list awesome so first up on my list uh, we've got Brazen Borrower so I think again most of us know Brazen Borrower but I'll run through it quickly it's one blue blue for a fairy rogue creature flash flying it's a 3-1 and it can only block creatures are flying but also, it has an adventure, and that is Petty Theft. It's an instant, one in the blue, return target, non-land permanent, and opponent controls to its owner's hand. 
My favorite thing about this card is that when it was spoiled, we were all like, why the hell is this a mythic? This must have been like a, yeah. a mistake. And, you know, it should have been at rare, but they needed to fill a mythic slot, so they put this in there. And then you played it once, you're like, oh, no, 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 this should be more than mythic. This card's absurd. Yeah, we, we fully thought, I mean, I, I know I did definitely thought that this card just wasn't even that good. And I, I was full on, like, the tinfoil hat theory that, oh, it's called Brazen Borrower. So originally it would have had some sort of, like, mind control effect. But, yeah, I think this is um this card is fantastic it definitely plays a lot better than it had and i think the the so the whole the name of like brazen borrower i think we thought borrower oh that's going to be like some sort of like mind control actor treason style style effect you're gonna you're gonna borrow something from your opponent i think actually it's just referring to the the creature type it's a borrower as in like the borrowers uh and that no yeah, i think that's it no but it's a fairy the borrowers aren't fairies they're just very tiny people yeah but there isn't creature type borrower is there yeah but it's, yet, there's anyway. a big step between like anatomically accurate very 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 small person and blue flying thing with weird hair that's a that's a leap I think, yeah, I don't know. I think when I'm, I'm reading the card now, I see the term brazen borrower and I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. It's a it's, it's a bold borrower as opposed to, oh, it's a it's a borrower because this should have a mind control effect. This should borrow one of your opponent's permanents. It's not. The instance it's called just, petty theft. Yeah. Yes, it is. Or brazen borrowing, you know? Yeah. It works like that. I think, yeah, like we said this at the time, but I think it would, it would have been at one point one and a blue instant gain control of target permanent and opponent controls will convert mana cost two or less. And they're like, no, this is way too good. So they made it bounce and then... I, I Glad we didn't see that version of the card. Yes. <laughs> you see how good just bouncing something is. Um, I mean, there was definitely a time where this card was like one blue-blue for just a 3-1 with flying that didn't have the can't block creatures without flying clause and also yeah. had the gain control of target permanent with two to convert mana cost two or less on it. And that I don't, I'm glad we don't live in that world. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad they didn't like, push that card too far. Especially not in a, in a set of Witches Oven as well. Like, steal your thing, attack of it, sacrifice it. Cool. Ugh. Like, I'm doing enough of that in Standard already with uh, Claim the Firstborn. But yeah, Brazen Borrower was... Uh, it's the first card on my list. I, I think it's fantastic. I think this is... Personally, this is where I want to see the ceiling for power level for Magic. I think it's quite cool to see this card play a role in or at least it was quite cool to see this, this card play a role in modern like this was quite a quite a unique interesting card for like the azorius control decks in modern I, I quite liked its position there obviously things have changed considerably since then but i think for me this is where the the ceiling should be when you're, you're designing a powerful magic card yeah i think this is what i was touching on last week where you see a card that's it's like it doesn't just bust older formats in half, like something like Lurus does. Mm. It's a kind of card that people try out in a couple numbers, and you see like a one-of in Legacy, kind of in the Trino Nemesis slot, or the Ventilion Clique slot, which is a card that's fallen out of favour. Just as a kind of like, it's it's a nice tempo card to go along with your Delver of Secrets or something like that. Yeah, It plays well with cards like Snapcaster Mage. Uh, and I, I think it was it's those kind of designs that I like, where there's a spike in popularity, like, oh, this card must be good in Legacy, and they're like, oh, it's not that good, but then you see a couple of copies every now and again. Yeah. Not just like every deck is playing this card because it's just because that good. it is correct. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's a it's a card that's pushed on the power level, is not dominant in standard, but very, very good in standard, um, and has near enough the chops for modern legacy, and like something like Oko, where you're just like, well, this is just 
ruining every format. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's that's what I like in designs where it's it's definitely correct to play more than zero of the card, but you've got a bit of flexibility. Whereas, yeah, look at look at what we're seeing now or what we have seen, where it's like, oh well, it's just correct to play four Oko in this deck and play four Uro in this deck and play four Teferi in this deck. Or, or it's just correct to build my deck with this and play Lurus because, because it is. Remember when decision-making yeah. in deck building was a thing? It seems like it's been... It's been a while, it's been, right? It's been absent for a while, yeah. So, like, oh, this is the most powerful card. Better play four copies of it. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's swiftly move on to the next card. Cool. So next is... This one is definitely a pet card of mine. Uh, this one is Midnight Clock. So it is two in a blue for an artifact. You can tap it to add blue to your mana pool, or you can pay two in a blue to put an hour counter on it. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour counter on midnight clock, and then when the twelfth hour counter is put on it, shuffle your hand and grave on it in your library, then draw seven cards and exile midnight clock. This is my favourite kind of magic card. Yeah. Where I think this card was designed for commander. Yeah. And it was one of those cards where everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to play this on my blue commander decks. This is great. And then they never do because it just yeah. doesn't really do anything you want it to do, but it looks like it should. Because a three mana mana rock is just kind of bad. And you have a plethora of ones that are just slightly better than this. And then yeah, like the wheel effect thing is just kind of weird outside of a specific deck. And then if you're in a specific deck, you have better cards to fulfill that role. Um, and also it, it did kind of a few cool things in Limited if you built around the card. Yeah, it's sweet and limited. I, I think this is a fantastic addition to any cube, really, as well. Um, I played it as a one-of in my sideboard in best of one standard last season. I was playing blue-white control with a Fae of Wishes, and sometimes it was just sick to, to get this. Like Especially in the control mirror matches, it was awesome, because you bring this in, and then you just never deck, and your opponent decks. So it's definitely got me out of some sticky situations in the past, but I, I just think it's fantastic. It's one of those really cool designs. Like obviously, it's it's very much top down. It's it's a really flavorful design, but it's it's yes, it's a it's a rare, but it's not broken. It's never really doing ridiculous busted things. Um, like you're right, Commander's probably just the home for this card, and I can see like plenty of casual players sticking it in the, in their Commander deck, and I can't think of one or two Commanders that would definitely definitely want this this i know like the locust god deck that i had would would love this um any sort of wheel effect or i guess anybody anybody who's playing a commander deck with blue in it uh, who were also wanting to purchase a copy of wheel of fortune but now can't um midnight clock's a nice replacement <laughs> for you uh, i mean windfall exists right it does yeah that's another great card dark dale exists yeah i, I love when you try and venture into talking about commander <laughs> I'll be here to inform you that Midnight Clock is completely unplayable and very bad. It's it's fine it's, depending depending on what the rest of your your play group is like. But I mean, sure, if you can get the like the gods to align where you cast this on turn three, which then ramps out your Locust God, and then it still doesn't go off for a couple turns, and then you get to wheel, or you could just cast your Locust God and then next turn cast a Wheel of Fortune or a Windfall, and just go completely yeah. ham. <laughs> I mean, it's at the beginning of, of each upkeep, though, so it does get a bit of advantage in, in Commander. That's what I mean. Like, I think that's why I think it was designed for Commander. It was a bit of a flap, but I like those kind of yeah. designs where like, you try to design something fun, 
um, which is a very flavorful design rather than just something like you know you bring it back to Oko or Kinnan or Lurus where it's just like there's no flavor here there's no this isn't card isn't trying to do anything it's just like these are some yeah. very powerful effects on a magic card that we decided to print and then we put a picture on it later because we have to put pictures on magic cards uh, especially when like the, the cards aren't like the, the, the characters don't matter like, yeah. Lurus doesn't matter yeah. Kinnan doesn't appear to matter <laughs> But we just have this this incredibly broken card that is that character because reasons. Yeah, I mean, look, some of some of us want to buy the stories that used to be free and brush up on the law that is slightly related to some cards, not every card in the set. But now it's now it's related to like three cards, and the rest of them are just like yeah. oh, world building, but don't appear to actually have any relevance. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's an episode for another time, I think. Definitely. Uh, well, how they just keep printing like a hundred legendary creatures per set, but none of them ever matter ever. They're just legendary for the sake of commander completely. I mean, yeah, that is another episode. I was always thinking, you know, the story and and why the story doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, definitely. But because people are playing it as a digital card game, and it's just yeah. a thing to pass the time. It's not a thing that you get invested in and care about and develop a community around and make friends with and 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 do and it becomes your main hobby. It's just a thing you do to pass the time. Imagine if Arena had a story mode. Imagine if... I don't want to open the Imagine If box. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've got too many things for people to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> right, next card. <laughs> cool, so next card. I feel like we we might have a bit of a, a conflict in view on this one. So this one came from that fantastic set, Modern Horizons. Uh, this one is Collector Oof. It's one and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. It's an Oof, and it has... Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Hey, look, a green card that was a mistake. Who'd have thought? Yeah, I feel like this was, this was, I mean, arguably the the first step in, in what has been a, a very long walk, I guess, for, or um, I guess probably like a jog or a sprint, even at this point, of uh, broken green cards that were printed in in the past year. What I don't understand, basically, any any element of this card, like at all. I don't understand why it's, it exists. So I think it, it, it exists because they they want more like null rod style effects. They can't just reprint null rod because reserve list. Uh, but they also, I guess, want to experiment with it and they want to add hate bears as well. And I can see I can see an abundance of reasons for for this existing. And I I'm just quite glad that it does. I think it's it's nice to see them reprinting that ability on a creature uh, i think it's 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 good that it's a green creature rather than a white creature for once i feel like like that's an effect that like white has typically had in the past yeah it's the only thing it's got don't take it away from white yeah don't take hate bears <laughs> away from white it's the only thing they yeah. have that make it competitively viable uh, this is the thing i don't understand why this is why, why this was necessary if uh, like we already had stony silence and you already have enough cards that hate on Artifacts. I guess it's it's a stony silence that you can cocoa for, isn't it? Exactly, that's part of the problem. <laughs> like it's 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 a stony silence that you can collect a company for, or call of calling for, or green sensing for, or like natural order for if you're in that kind of mood. Yeah. Or you can just search for with with a bunch of different effects that search for creatures, and I don't think that's necessary. I don't think you need to completely shut off your artifact opponent, but with a, with a tutor that puts into play. I don't think that's necessary. See, that's, see I I. I guess I come from the like the other side of this matchup as typically the the artifact combo player. Uh, 
I definitely have, I mean, in Vintage, definitely, like, this card has just stopped me from winning the game so many times, like, people just, just like, like, Natural Order into Collector Roof, Coco for Collector Roof, Green Sanzina for Collector Roof, and then they've got there. Um, I, I think I really like, so when I do play, you know, Artifact decks and, like, Storm decks and stuff, and I, I like there being just that extra step of a challenge. I don't think Collector Roof completely shuts down those strategies all the time, but it definitely adds a, a bit more of a challenge. I think I think maybe when this when this card was designed, like modern and, and legacy and vintage certainly looked looked a lot different. You had you know, Gitaxian Probe was very much still a thing. So I think maybe this card was designed in a bit of a different world where Storm was running a bit more rampant, or there were other combo decks that were running a bit more rampant. But I, I for one think it's it's a really, it's a really cool design. It's just it's nice to see, nice to see them printing, classic powerful abilities on creatures, that weren't necessarily on creatures before. I just don't understand why it had to be a green card and why it's an oof. Because I think I think there's there's also a world where. You know, I'm trying to delve into random game design that I have no, sure. you know, no reason to be delving into. But I think that at some point this was a red card. It was one and a red for a goblin and a two, a, a two-two goblin that had this this line of text. Yeah, because we've seen because it looks like a goblin. <laughs> uh, like I guess oofs are very similar to goblins, right? Oofs we've uh, seen in the past. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They are. I, I guess oofs are just kind of please please continue to Google what an oof is. I think they're just kind of like no no. I was right? just just searching oof oof in grav in Gavro because we got it's definitely not the only oof in Magic. Yeah, because we have Kitchen Finks, right? That's like the big oof. Yeah, you know about. Kitchen Finks is a is an oof Gilda Bairn as well. Yep. Um, Fintorn Brownie was an oof from Ice Age. Ice Age was there was an abundance of oofs in, in Ice Age. Yeah, oofs aren't any particular thing. They're just like random sp- sprites. They're like little weird woodland creatures. Like Gilda Bairn looks nothing like Kitchen Finks. Look, no, looks nothing like Brownie, right? They're just sort of like weird mythical little creatures. An oof is an oof. It's yep. it's very much a its own sort of creature type. So the fact that this looks exactly like a goblin, like a, you know, has the 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 large nose and has an affinity for artifacts, right? Which is what goblins do. Yeah, you look at stuff like Treasure Nabber. Yeah, yeah. Or like Dockside Extortionist. Like these 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 cards that they printed in sort of much products that are goblins. Like this this definitely was one in a red for a goblin. And I like I guess maybe you don't want to give the goblin decks and older formats this kind of card, but also the goblin decks and older formats are crap. So <laughs> I don't understand why you wouldn't want to give them this kind of effect. Why did this have to be green? Like green has never cared about stopping you doing stuff. Green has green is very much oh you've got that, I'm gonna blow it up. You have naturalized, right? Yeah, I mean I guess it's uh I'm just having a look at like some of the oofs in in, in the the past, and oofs have all cared about artifacts. It looks like and and losing abilities. So I think the I think the ability seems to be tied to oof. Like if you look at um, Bramble Fort Fink, uh, not Bramble Fort Fink, sorry, Brown Oof. Brown Oof uh, is from Ice Age, and you pay one green and tap it to counter target activated ability from an artifact. Uh, you look at Oof Vandals from uh, Fifth Dawn. And that is it's two and a green for a two-two oof rogue. You can pay a green and sacrifice it to counter target activated ability from an artifact source and destroy that artifact if it's on the battlefield. Uh, and then you also have you know, Shelkin Brownie as well. So you tap it and it loses abil- um, loses banding, so that's, it cares about abilities there as well. I think just like the removal of abilities and artifacts, it looks like is, is something that oofs have have tied to them in the past. Sure, I guess so. 
It just it just seems like a weird design to print in 2019. It it, it seems like a, a card that was unnecessarily like. I guess I guess the the, the flavour and the law does does kind of make sense, but it just it just seems like a strange card to want to print for no particular reason when it's it's a card yeah. that's true to a ball in and it's it, it's doing a thing that if you so the one from fifth dawn blows an artifact up right it does yeah it counters an uh, yeah. activated ability so from an artifact and if it's an artifact on the battlefield then it blows it up yeah exactly so like it, it therefore blows up an artifact right it does a green thing yeah. like a reclamation sage type thing or a viridian shaman type thing or yeah. what have you and that makes sense whereas like Oh, we're talking about the cards from Ice Age. Basically, green has never cared about artifact abilities, right? Yeah. Like, because you can ignore Ice Age because design is all over the goddamn place in Ice Age. Because Ice Age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't understand why this why this card was necessary <laughs> and and why you get to have a, a Stony Silence that you can tutor for and you can just replace Stony Silence because also this is a win condition. Why do we need a Stony Silence that's also a win condition? Because Stony Silence is already a win condition. You don't need it to also brawl. You yeah. need to also eat one ones and kill your opponent eventually over nine turns, ten turns. You know, I guess. I guess because I guess it, it's, it's it's better than Stony Silence in in some ways because yes, it also beats down for two. But then again, the fact that it's a creature means it it dies to things that Stony Silence doesn't die to. The it, it's certainly beatable and it's certainly beatable in ways that Stony Silence isn't beatable. Uh, but at the same time, those decks that are playing those effects aren't necessarily decks that you want to be bringing Stony Silence in against anyway. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, I do fully, I fully understand your points, but I, I personally just think this is a cool card. And as somebody who usually sits on the opposite side of the matchup, I I'm quite enjoy the challenge of playing against this card. Sure. See? I think for, for me, it just, it doesn't feel too broken. It feels good. It feels good. It feels powerful. What it what it is, but it's it doesn't feel broken. It doesn't it doesn't feel you know it's ridiculous like some like some of the other cards we've seen recently. Yeah, it's nice to to look back at cards that are probably a bit too good, but are also just like very much situational cards. Just because that situation comes up all the time in vintage <laughs> doesn't mean it's not situational, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I guess it's true. nice to look back and look at cards that are pushed, but not pushed in the way that they just win the game by themselves. Yeah. Cool. What's your next card that I can just ruin? <laughs> Speaking of of situational vintage cards, uh, next up we have Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Uh, this is a white blue for a legendary creature. She's a human soldier. It's a two two. Another hate bear. Uh, each opponent can't cast non creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. And whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. This card is so weird. It is when you, very, very strange. When you actually think about it, this is the strangest card that Wizard printed Wizards printed last year, right? Um, probably not the strangest, but it's it's certainly up there. Just in terms of intended impact, I just think it's a very peculiar card to print. Yeah. So it, it like you look at that and you can't see anything else, but this is meant for vintage possibly legacy, right? Yeah, definitely. This is this is meant for for vintage, definitely, and this is meant for formats where people are playing Force of Will uh, and doing things with like show and tell omniscience. Yeah. So what? It's just it's these weird mixed signals we get every now and again. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I think even thinking about it now, like you could play this 
in standard against the fires deck. It's pretty good against fires of invention. Y- yeah. I mean, the first line doesn't do anything because they can't do that anyway. But the second one, if they're not paying any mana to cast their spells, then counter the spells. That seems seems all right. Yeah, but it's just a two-two. Yeah, and then they can just cast their spells. Yeah, and then your two-two looks kind of miserable. It doesn't actually stop them doing much. It stops the broken part true. of the deck. It doesn't stop yeah. the, them just casting a cavalier for five mana and eventually winning the game. Yeah. But I can't, I can't believe that they would just print this card just because Fires of Adventure might be good in the future standard, right? Oh no, definitely not. That's definitely not the only the only reason at all. But you know, just trying to find some like non-eternal applications for it. This that seems to be the place. Yeah, it's just it's just weird when they print cards for older formats strictly vintage. Like it does, it does see some play in Legacy every now and again. But when you they print cards that are like specifically for vintage when every other card they print is just clearly to push Commander and Standard. It yeah. just seems like a weird include. And especially Lavinia as well. Like, I don't really get why this is Lavinia. Yeah. Outside I, of being blue-white. I think it's, it's quite cool to see, like, Lavinia having a having a, a cool playable card. Um, I think it's it's very much a Azorius card design. It feels like it's very much on flavour. Um you know, you will you will follow the letter of the law when when Lavinia's around. Nobody gets anything for free. Everything must be paid properly. I think it's quite a good flavorful card. But yeah, you're right. It is it is a bit of an odd one. But I I, I think this is a cool design. Like again, this is this is the kind of like power level like strange uniqueness that I want to see from legendary creatures, rather than just like oh the stats on this card are just ridiculous. Um, but it doesn't matter. Because it's a legendary, so you can only play one in your deck anyway. Like, like surely it's way cooler to try and build or theme like a commander deck around this card than it is like, I don't know, like something like Vanifar, where it's quite clearly it's it's doing a very linear thing. Yeah, there's a joke there about the words linear and Lavinia sounding the same. Alas, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to make it. I think it's a weird card. I think it's going to be mono white. But it also kind of feels like meddling, possibly, meddling yeah. mage's older sister. Yeah, that's a good take on it. I think definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange design, but I'm much more into strange designs than I am into completely broken designs. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm, definitely me too. I think I am a fan of Lavinia. I just don't really understand why it exists. Yeah, I think that's how I, I feel like about most got, of these cards. I really like that I got the game day promo as well. Like the the store championship full art promo. Oh, I remember store championships. Yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. But I love, yeah, I love the the nice full art version of it. it looks looks absolutely fantastic. The art on it's really cool. Yeah, it is really nice. But yeah, it is it is quite odd. Like if if this is a card that you're not expecting to play anywhere really, except for vintage, why are you then making this the the full art store championship card? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do anything in standards. Well, like <laughs> sure, sure, like it, so applies, it applies to fires, right? But like it applies to fires and. Um, Omniscience was standard legal at the time. Not that anybody was playing it because it was unplayable. Yeah, but it's it's like you know you look at like uh, Amara, right? Yeah, and like that being a pro would make sense. You look at Judith, like it just does like things that the the Rakdos Guild do, and Amara does things that the Selesnia Guild do, and I guess to a certain extent, both Van- Vanifar and Zagana do things that the Simic Combine do. Yeah, and then you know, Lavinia is just like doesn't do anything remotely related to addendum so <laughs> <laughs> i don't really get it but 
Yeah, I feel like there, there are so many other cards that they could have made. Like the promo. Like, oh, imagine if they'd done it just like Smothering Tithe. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're talking if you're talking about cards that are like designed specifically for a format and you're doing a cool promo version of them for winning the store championship. Smothering Tithe seems like the like the no brainer. Oh, if we're talking about cards we like, I've actually found one. Yeah, Smothering yeah. Tithe. There you go. I like that card a lot. And why do you like that card? Because it's actually taking notice of things commander players want. Commander yeah. players don't want broken five color commanders every year. Like every set, two broken five color commanders that you can just play random good stuff and the card's just really, really good. Uh, they want actual good mono, mono white ramp cards. And you can look at like the, the mono white ramp additions from the new commander set, right? You've got uh, Verge Rangers, which is the Oracle of Moldiah, but only if your opponent controls less lands than you, because of course white can't have good cards. Yeah. And Sun Tail Hawk, or something like that, which is like a weird variant of Knight of the White Orchid. Yeah. Uh, uh, and like I said, of having weird cards like that, you just want a straight up three mana, three mana, four mana card that you just play, and you just accrues loads and loads of mana. And if someone plays a Smothering Tide, then they get to untap it for two turns, then they like, just have infinite mana, essentially. It's a finite number per turn, but you just have enough mana to cast all your spells most of the time. And I like that as, the desi- as a design. The only problem is, if you're trying to give that to mono-white decks, or maybe Boros decks, or you know decks with white in them that aren't as strong, you also just give it to every other deck. <laughs> so decks that already have good amounts of ramp also get this card, and it just gets ridiculous. Yeah. But I do like that as a design for a card. It's very Orzov. It's a very yeah, sweet design. I love the art on that card. Uh, I just love treasure tokens in general. I think they're a really sweet design. Uh, but I think that that like that does hit the mark of like a design that I do like, and it does have like it had like some applications in standard, right? Like a couple like people were messing around with like emergency powers and stuff and just making loads of money. Yeah, there, were, there was a, a very very junky emergency powers deck that wasn't good, but it was it was certainly playable. Like you could definitely you could like one two an F and M with it, sure. But like if that if that card showed up in in a commander product or like a conspiracy type product, then you wouldn't blink an eye, right? That's oh, where yeah, that card absolutely. should yeah. from. Conspir- yeah, Conspiracy 3. If Smothering Tithe was in that, then I wouldn't blink an eye. Or like, yeah, or like if it had been in Conspiracy 2 or even the first Conspiracy, like, that very much, it very much looks like a card you would see in a Conspiracy set. And like, even even on theme as well, like, you can definitely see some sort of like, um, you know, some, some sort of like, just a heavy Tithe that's been implemented by Marchesa. Like, definitely. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a nice design. But yeah, again, it does, I think it's great, and that that probably should have got the store championship promo, not Lavinia. Yeah, and then it wouldn't be a really expensive card that everyone literally wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that. Oh, it, it would have been. There would have been. Well, there would have been the regular one, but then there would have been the the fancy expensive full art version that everyone wants. Yeah, it'd be nice if and would drive players into stores to win. Yeah, the cool card. And the only time that that happened in recent memory was Fatal Push, and that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember when people turned up to Magic events to win promos? Do you remember magic events? Do you remember promos? Do you remember magic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember magic. I've played a lot of magic this week. Yeah, I've played nine. Admittedly, Arena and Magic Duels, but it's been magic. Magic Duels. What a great yeah. time. It's been, yeah, I I guess as side story time, it's been a a bit of a, a bit of a blast from the past. I, I was was playing um playing Jackbox games with my family over over Zoom and that was that was quite fun. That is the most twenty twenty sentence anyone has ever said. <laughs> yeah. I was playing Jackbox game with my family over Zoom. Jesus Christ. Also that That's... doesn't sound very fun. Oh it was I great can't fun. imagine Jackbox being fun with your family. 
It was pretty Don't good. you have to be like really reserved and not make no. like the obvious jokes about genitals and stuff? Not what my family, you know. Oh, okay, your family are also degenerates. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got a cool dad. I've got, I haven't got a regular dad. I've got a cool dad. <laughs> You've got a cool dad. Sweet, excellent, yes. Sorry, sorry to derail your story, which is a derailment of the podcast. Please continue. Yeah, so as I, as I was installing that and getting all, all that set up, I uh, remembered Magic Duels existed and decided to fire up and play a game. And I was looking through like the terrible, terrible decks that I attempted to build in like the weird duels format. Like the last time I'd opened it was like two years ago at this point. Uh, and it was just horrendous. I just did not understand deck building and how to construct a deck in, in Magic Duels. So I, I took what I know now and, and built a, a blue-black control deck and genuinely had just some of the most fun I've, I've had playing Magic in months. Uh, a lot of that was against the, the AI on, on hard mode, but I have I have played some actual games against actual human beings as well, which was, was A, surprising that there was any, anybody else playing it and be surprising that anybody else was playing at the same time I was, so that was cool. I've definitely played a couple of games over duels, and I've had a lot of fun. It was great. <laughs> That's very weird. <laughs> I really, I guess, it really does re- just take a global pandemic to just force people to play weird, outdated games that no one else has touched yeah. for years. I, d- I do find it's like, it. Oh, I'm... Sorry, Karen. If it's just like oh, I'm sick of playing with companions, what doesn't have companions? Magic duels. I'm <laughs> <laughs> in cat standard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do find it a bit disconcerting that you said two years ago when you were playing that game, you had no idea how to build a magic deck. And we've been doing this podcast for over two years. So that means that when we started this podcast, you didn't know how to play magic properly. Well, no idea how to build a, a magic deck in in duels. So obviously, duels has very different construction uh, restrictions. Uh, on on duels, you only get one copy of each mythic, uh, two copies of each rare, three copies of each uncommon, four copies of each common. Uh, but not every card and every set was on it as well, so it was just just kind of all over the shop for what you could actually build. And th- yeah, definitely the the decks I built were were definitely incorrect. That sounds like a cool restriction. That sounds like it make a cool it, arena format. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think it like looking back on it now and and understanding how it all works now a lot better than I did then. Uh, I th- I think I think it, it it's a lot of fun and. Would would definitely recommend anybody if like if you if you're still able to like download the Jules client like I don't even know if you are anymore if you have Jules and you didn't delete it definitely fire it up and, and give it a go. I've never played. It's very I've never played Jules. It's I never got it. It's it's not great, but at the same time it 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 feels like Magic used to, and that's a good feeling for me. I mean, please continue your ad read for a game that was beyond pointless two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can actually download anymore, sure. <laughs> well, Should we move on to my next back, card then? Back to the podcast, please, yeah. Awesome. So, my next one is, is from War of the Spark, and we've got feelings about that set, definitely. I, there's definitely. one good card in that set, and I think you know what it is. Uh... There are multiple good cards in the set. No, good, good in this context, right? And good in the way that we are talking about good cards. Yeah, in this con- context, I have a couple of good cards from the from this set. There's one. Um, There's only one. There's only one. Well, I'm going to start with start with, with one that I, I think is quite good, and that is Bolas's Citadel. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, the card they designed for Commander that is also very, very kind of vintage somehow. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's 
that's one thing I, I dislike about it, but I'm going to read the card first for those who don't know it. It's three black, 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 legendary artifact. It may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. Nice Lavinia interaction there. Uh, and also, you can tap it and sacrifice 10 non land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. Yeah. So, again, it, it seems like it, it is very much that. Oh, this is designed with Commander in mind because it says each opponent. Uh, but yeah, this, this card does work very well in Vintage. That's where I. I mean, I love it because it's it's correct to play it, but I also dislike it for that reason. I'm finding, like, I, I play it in, in vintage decks that I play, and I'm finding that the majority of the time it's just the correct tinker target now. Like, in, in the past it was very much like you would go find your, your Voltaic Key or your um, or your, your new Time Vault, or you'd find your Blightsteel Colossus, depending on what your matchup was, but now it feels like... 99% of the time, the correct thing target is to is just get ball as a Citadel and just try to win the game on the spot. Yeah, because it's so easy to do so, because you just get to cast all your, your entire library for free. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this card's cool. It's a sweet, flavorful design, and even when you look at it and thought, well, this is crap for constructive formats, you know, not thinking about the Tinker interaction, uh, you... Well, like I like this card. It's it's a cool design. It really evokes the feeling of Bolas or you know a, a construct Definitely. that Bolas would would build, right? Definitely, it is very much evokes the feeling of Bolas and also black as a color identity. This is this is greatness at any cost, isn't it? Like, how much life are you willing to pay to to win the game? Yeah, this might be. Are you, are you are you are you willing to risk it all to to beat your opponents? And I I think yeah, this card is a fantastic design in. in in that aspect, of definitely. Yeah, this might be the most black card I've ever made. It's up there for sure. It's definitely. very, very cool. It's like, I mean, it's more black than Dark Ritual. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really sweet design. And, I mean, I don't know about the most black card ever made because Necropotence exists, but other than Necro, it's it's definitely up there. No, but this lets you cast the spells. Greatness at, like, greatness at any cost. Not just like, I get to look at these cards and have them in my brain. I get to put these cards into play immediately. That's that's more black yeah, than Necropotence. I, I feel like that's that's not much of a cost compared to Necropotence, where it's like, oh, exile these cards and then put them into your hand at the end of your, your turn, and you also you lose any cards in your graveyard. Like Necropotence feels more like at any cost, as opposed to Bolas of Citadel, which is you know, greatness at a, 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 a definite cost, but it's it's not the end of the world if it doesn't if it doesn't work out. Look, we've already discussed on this very episode about how we should ignore designs from Ice Age because they don't make any sense yeah. in my magic. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> I think Bolas wins. Bolas Citadel wins over Necropotence. Yeah. Again, I just, I just love this card. I think it's fantastic. Doesn't see play anywhere outside of Vintage and, and Commander probably. But again, another one like Midnight Clock. Stick it in your cube and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've certainly tried to make it work in, in Vintage Cube and at varying degrees of success, but it's always been fun, and but that's what I love. That's when magic's like that. I feel like magic's at its most fun. Like when you can, when you can, you can draft around a card, and you, you can have those games where you're like, oh, "I'm going to play this, and if it works out, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be epic." Or, or if it doesn't pan out, I'm going to lose. But it was fun trying to get there, and. They're the types of, of magic card designs that I love more so than, you know, busted mythics. I like this fucking weird design tribal cube that you've got going on. Yeah. 
Hey, if we ever get a Magic Fest again, you're going to play it and it's going to be fun. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I recognise all these cards. Why are these terrible, strange design cards in here? Oh, it's Joe's Cube, of course. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Don't bring up Magic Fests. Now is not the time. No, I wish it was the time. <sighs> Let's move on before I get sad. Cool, so my other, I guess another card that I loved in, in this set was Nicol Bolas, Dragon God. Yeah, we just love Bolas, right? He's fantastic, yeah. This is a Nicol Bolas podcast. Very much Stan, Nicol Bolas, and I fully believe he's just one of the best villains in in any story ever. He's fantastic. Uh, so again, this, this one is... It's a very powerful mythic, but this one does come at a cost, unlike cards we've seen printed since. It's blue, black, 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 red, which is... is not the easiest mana cost, is it? Especially like not in like a limited format. No, yeah, it's, so it's hard to cast. It's like yeah, it, it works it's because you look at the to cast. yeah, you look at the abilities and you're like, well, this is very very powerful, and this yeah m- might be one of the most powerful planeswalkers that they've printed in terms of abilities. And then you look at the mana cost, you're like, that's kind of hard, right? Yeah, definitely. Like it is very powerful, but there is a. There is a real cost to that. It is difficult to cast, but I yeah I love the the abilities on the card itself are great. Like the starts off at four loyalty, you get a plus one, instantly gives you a card, and your opponent loses something for that. Great, feels very bolus in design and powerful. In minus three to destroy a creature or planeswalker, again very bolusy and powerful. At minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. That's the kind of ultimate you want to see in a nickel bolus planeswalker. Something that just ends the game because you don't your opponent doesn't have doesn't control something legendary, doesn't doesn't have the legendary hero to, to step in and save the day. Bolus wins, the, he, has, he has no opposition. But the thing that I think is especially cool about it is the, the static ability. The fact that Nickel Bolus, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other planeswalkers on the battlefield. I feel like like flavour wise that's just one of the most bolus things like we, we've ever seen and probably will ever seen that's it's just it's a combination of, of bolus's scheming and cunning and greed all in one and i think it's fantastic yeah it's it's impressive they managed to find a way to put harvesting the sparks of planeswalkers onto an actual magic card yeah definitely but also make it kind of a playable ability you know like something that, yeah. that kind of makes sense that like that combination of of law and flavor of a character and like a workable magic card is is just something that I really enjoy seeing. As opposed to just put all these stupid powerful abilities on one card and then randomly assign a character that we've made up. Right? Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely, and yeah, it feels more flavorful than like a lot of the other planeswalker static abilities we've seen, and it it makes a lot more sense than a lot of static abilities that we've seen on Planeswalker and just, just feels a lot better. Like, you know, Teferi's miserable. Teferi feels absolutely miserable for for anybody who's ever played against it, like myself included. No matter how much I love the card, no matter how much I love playing the card, fully understand how miserable it is. I mean, if you're talking about like, flavorful design for Teferi, that's perfect. Oh, yeah, It's the it most Teferi card they've printed. Like, if you, if you add up all the Teferis they've ever printed and put them all on one card, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, agreed. It's a very powerful, fantastic card, but it, it is equally as miserable. You look at look at Tamio, like spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. 
that's very strange. Like, why why does Tamiya have that ability? Because I, they I don't know. wanted to put that ability on a planeswalker and randomly assigned to Tamiya. That's it's the same yep. reason that Narset, who has never cared about prohibiting your opponents from doing anything, stops you from drawing cards. Yep. And you have ones like Domri, I guess, which kind of makes sense, but you know, like giving your creatures plus one plus zero, right? That's what Domri does. Yeah, and Soren making your creatures and planeswalkers have lifelink because yeah. he's a vampire. That Stuff makes like sense. That, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And like, you know, N- Nahiri reducing equip costs, that makes sense for Nahiri. That's what she she did historically. Just not on her Shadows of Runestrad card. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why creatures also have first strike, but yeah, sure, and I don't know. The, Some of them the, just, just don't make It's what the original Nahiri did from Commander 14. Okay, she she interacted with, uh, with equipments and, and, and made a big, scary equipment. Yeah. So that, like, it, it's bringing back Nahiri to, to what she initially did. But yeah, stuff like the Tamiya one, where it just doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Or the Arlencord, where it makes literally no sense whatsoever. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing that Arlencord has ever done before. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some, it's weird, some it's such, designs that just don't make sense. It's just so weird. It's just like this 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 weird mashup of like things we want magic cards to do, but also making magic cards we want to make. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... It, it's when you get stuff like... Like, like just like like Narset, where it just doesn't really make any sense. Surely the activate ability does things that Narset kind of did before, but also <laughs> the static ability is just something they wanted to put on a blue card, I guess, for some reason, and they just jammed it well, on yeah. Narset. I definitely, I think the activate ability makes sense, but I don't know why. Yeah, why Narset has the static ability and why Narset is mono blue. I just, who knows. Who knows, but, you know, Nicol Bolas is, is the one we're here to talk about, and I, I think Bolas is, Bolas is pretty perfect. I think it's a fantastic card. I think that's one, it's one of my favourite cards, Nicol Bolas Dragon God. It's just, like, yeah. in terms of, like, not, not to play, I never play it anywhere, and I don't even own a copy, but in just terms of, like, the design of the Magic Card, and it's sort of this combination of a story from War of the Spark, and, and putting everything that Bolas is into one Magic Card, but also making it very, very powerful and, you know, prohibitively expensive to cast, which Nicol Bolas Planeswalkers... Have historically been is just it's it's, yeah. it's a real cool combination of a lot of great things that make a really great magic card. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Now, are you going to bring up the best world of spark card or not? Yeah, I'm going to bring up the, the best world of spark oh, card. No. Go on. I mean, maybe. What, what do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's not. But I can let you talk about that if you want. Oh, how the Roseborn. That's it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> check out Riley Knight's deck deck on, on your commander deck I guess if you want to plug that yeah go look at my deck it's pretty cool it's changed a lot since then I just love my Ilhark deck so much and I love that card I think it's really really cool I think it's a great design of the magic card it, it's a very red red card but it's also a really cool character that you know it got yeah. built up a lot in lore uh, in, in, both in Returns of Ravnica Block and through Ravnica uh, the second time the third time there's too many Ravnica Blocks it just got built up a lot, and I think that the, it, it all sort of led to one really, really cool card. I like the card a lot, and it makes a sweet commander deck. Yeah, definitely. It's it's nice to see when there is a, a you know a potentially like fan favorite card or, or something that's been been mentioned in in law and has, has had years of of hints at or name dropping and dropping this character in law and card references. And it's nice to see them like come through for really good successful design for that card so yeah that's great definitely yeah it's, 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 a, it's a sweet card um, I mean we can I guess counterbalance that with Fibblethip 
which is one of the most disappointing versions of that we've ever seen. I mean, uh, I, I, I hate it. What, Fibble Fib? I yeah, actually, it's horrible. I actually hate it's it. It's such a horrible I really, design. And like, I really hate everything about it. It's yeah. it's just it's the Millhouse of magic cards. <laughs> Do you not love Millhouse? Like yes, but like the whole like, remember the whole Millhouse is a meme thing from like the internet back when the internet was good. <laughs> there has never been a time when the internet has been good. Don't you lie? Don't lie on a podcast. Hey, we were we were all, we were all twelve once. Yeah, it just it just feels like just the most like forced thing ever like hey look it's fifth it's like like i don't know I, i'd almost call it like the pickle rick of magic cards but like pickle <laughs> rick is actually the the funniest thing i've ever seen and then he turns himself into a pickle it's the funniest yeah. i ever saw <laughs> yeah like I think the thing that happened with Fibblethip specifically was that car got spoiled and everyone oh my god Fibblethip's got a card and then there was that immediate like oh I didn't actually want that this is awful <laughs> no one wanted I, that I, and I, I didn't even have the oh my god he's got a card I, I always had the no like just just don't no it's really cool to just have him dotted about on, on cards like that's awesome um, but no it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it almost feels like it, as if that, as if it was like that Beeble Planeswalker, but in black bordered. Like that Beeble Planeswalker can can absolutely live in silver bordered magic world. I have no problem with that. That's fantastic. I love that. But I don't know. Fibblethip crosses a line for me, and I I think I just would have preferred him just popping up in the background of, of Ravnica cards. And it's just kind of a disappointing card. It's just like a, a yeah. weirdly kind of better, kind of worse because it's legendary Elvish visionary, and I don't really get that design. I mean, it keeps it keeps seeing some some amount of playing standard somehow, but I, the least said about Fibblethip, the better for me. I also, and I don't mean to do to respect Jesper Ising because his art is incredible, but that doesn't look like Fibblethip. He's got a weird head, like, and he's blue. Yeah, like homunculuses <laughs> on Ravnica have been. You know what they look like, right? They're just like an egg with legs. But they're like an elongated... Fibblethip, it's Mike Wazowski. Yeah, That's what Fibblethip is. They're like slightly elongated Mike Wazowskis, right? Like eggs. Yeah. And he's just got like a body and a head, and I hate it. <laughs> Fibblethip <laughs> doesn't have a head. He is a head. Yeah, he definitely reminds me more of, it, more of Abe Sapien than Mike Wazowski. Is that a reference I don't get? Uh, Hellboy? Oh, sure, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, like the weird blue fish man from Hellboy. <laughs> It's not a thing I thought we'd be discussing on this episode of the podcast, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly fish, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, see, I knew I'd get the, I'd get the uh, negativity out of you at some point. Yeah. You can only, you can only hold out for so oh, long. You, you draw it out from me like a magnet, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently just by ne- mentioning the name Fibblethip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it every time. <laughs> Cool. Do, do you cool. want to move on Should to the Yeah, the actual last card that I, I do think is fantastic sure. from, from this set. Um, again, we're probably going to have a bit of a conflicting viewpoints on this one, I think, but Dreadhorde Arcanist is the, the card I want to highlight here. It's, I think it's a really cool design of a card. Again, it's, it's one in a red for a 1-3 zombie wizard trample for some reason. Uh, whenever Dreadhorde Arcanist attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost. Less than or equal to Dreadhorde Arcanist's power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. 
Another strange Lavinia interaction there. If that card will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Yeah, this uh, I, I, this is the thing. I like one mana. I like I like one power trample creatures. Yeah, and I like this one specifically because the point that like the the kind of point of this card is you cast a pump spell from your graveyard. Yeah, but what you actually do is you cast a brainstorm or a ponder and bury your opponent in value. <laughs> um, this no, is... no. What you what you actually do is just cast an ancestral recall. That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> this sees a lot of vintage play. Yeah, like, well, this card sees a lot of legacy. Cast an ancestral play, right? ancestral recall when this and young pyromancer are on the field and just go off. It's yeah, great, great fun. Yeah, I mean, this card just kind of usurped young pyromancer for a time in blue red double decks and legacy, and uh, still see play yeah. alongside it. It's just a very very powerful card. Um, it's a weird design card for standard. I don't really understand it that much i guess you just rebind burn spells and like i said pump spells uh, you just yeah you rebought pump spells to pump feather like this this worked very very well in the feather deck but if feather hadn't been a card then i don't think this would have found a home in standard but like, no. again i just think this is this is a really cool design i think those those base stats like the two mana one three like you stick that on any card and you've got my interest instantly um and yeah, trample. That's very odd for from one mana for one power creature. I love that. And yeah, it is. It's a very, very powerful ability potentially, depending on what cards you you're playing it with and what potentially cards you can combo with, like to, to give it give it more power to put counters on it and just so many like strange, strange corner cases that could be possible with this card. Um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Another one that I, I love to see in cube. You can do some cool things with it there. I think I think this is one of the designs for where it impacts older formats in a powerful way that I don't hate. Yeah, definitely. Where the format just doesn't just become this card. This format, this this card specifically fits into Legacy Delver, and that's yeah. almost exclusively it. Uh, and and I like that kind of. It's just like a Snapcaster Mage, right? Like that, that kind, yeah, that kind is, of effect. This, this, this is red. This is red Snapcaster Mage, really. Like, I know we we saw it in the past with the the pirate from Ixalan. I can't even remember the name of it. That's Dead, how much of an impact. Something Daredevil. Direfleet Daredevil. Dev, Direfleet that Daredevil. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, um, you know that very much at the time was. Oh, this is the red Snapcaster Mage. But I think really, this Dreadhorde Arcanist, Arcanist is the. The red Snapcaster Mage, and I think it plays its role very well. I think it kind of nicely finishes that two mana cycle, right? Stoneforge Mystic, Tarmogoy, yeah, that's Snapcaster Mage. This, yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it's it's a sweet it's a sweet card, and it goes into Legacy and Modern, but in one specific kind of shell, where you're kind yeah. of abusing like cantrips and stuff and Lightning Bolt and Thoughtseize, and I like that kind of design having an impact in older formats as opposed to stuff <laughs> like you know, go back to any episode we've recorded in the last year and just one of the cards we've complained about, you know, where it doesn't just take over yeah. from that and you just find ways to play it. It's like this very much fits into this deck and it is bad outside of this deck. And, yeah, and that's what really I think really well. it, it did. I definitely do think it had a it had a massive impact on both legacy and vintage, like in pretty much instantly. Um it it very much I feel like it, it it changed the the legacy meta a bit, but you know, we we talk about a lot how how good the legacy meta game is and how just how good the format is that you're able to you're able to adapt to it you're able to to yeah just like build your sideboard in, in ways where you have meaningful cards in, in games two and three and it certainly wasn't unbeatable but I definitely did have have a nice powerful impact and I really like that about the card yeah it's a, it's a sweet design and works well for standard as well 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jojo Darkenist. Yeah, I think cool. that kind of signals the end of when they designed good cards that were just good and not completely busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right. So with that, should we move on? My my final card from my my top. Well, not necessarily a top eight because these aren't ranked, but just eight cool cards I, I liked from last year. Yeah. Sure, sure, let's go. Cool. And this one is a bit of a cheat because it's a cycle. Uh, we're jumping back to Modern Horizons, and this is the. Uh, it's a bunch of cards that were in, I guess, what we're calling the Horizon Cycle of lands. So this is Silent Clearing, Waterlog Grove. Fiery Islet or Islet, Sunbaked Canyon, and Nurturing Peatland. These cards are cool. I think we, when they were spoiled, I think we got very, very excited about these cards. We thought these are fantastic. They're just going to be auto includes in, in any modern and/or legacy deck that can afford a slot or two to these that are in these colours. Um, and I think the the reality of that has been slightly different. It hasn't just been like oh every deck that is is green will play for waterlog grove or two waterlog grove or nurturing peatland or whatever but i think that they're seeing like a like a good amount of play i think like not to the point where they're completely you know just ubiquitous but they're definitely seeing a non-zero amount of play as well i think these cards these cards are are a lot more balanced than I think they they looked on that initial reveal, and I just, just think they're a great design. Yeah, I can't believe the cycle of canopy lands it were the least broken things to come out of Modern Horizons. <laughs> like I looked at those and was like, well, this clearly can't be right. You can't give blue decks access to just lands that also draw cards, or red decks access to cards that lands that just draw cards. Well, and I think we should have just been taking cues from Horizon Canopy this entire time because Horizon Canopy wasn't ubiquitous in any kind of way. Yeah, you played it as a one or two of them green or white decks, and you really wanted it green or white decks because green and white decks used to not have any good ways to draw cards. Well, yeah, like you know what what what, what I think is funny is like the best land cycle from Modern Horizons is the basic land. It's not these rare lands, it's the snow-covered snow covered lands. Yes, or lands as we call them now. Yeah. <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, like, I thought these were going to be a problem when they were printed. I think we all did. We all got really excited about, oh, these are going to be stupid. Like, yeah, these are like going to be cool. They're going to just complain every deck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, they're just seeing a reasonable amount of play. They're not too broken. The, the cost of giving up one of your lands in formats like Modern and Legacy um, to draw a card is, is real. Yeah, and it's a thing you could you could kind of get around where in the decks that in the decks that Horizon Canopy was seeing playing because it would it would see playing Death and Taxes where you're getting around it with Overfile, so having access to actual mana wasn't that much of a problem. You're seeing it in decks with Mana Dork, so having access to less mana wasn't actually that much of a problem. And you're seeing it like you know like Green White Tron or whatever like that where mana was not was not an issue, yeah. so you could easily afford to cycle a land. But if you're playing it in like you know a, a blue red deck, then it, it's it's really a cost to have to get rid of a land in order to draw a card. It's not just free, like it kind of feels when you first look at Rising Canopy, you're like, well, this is just free at any point, I can just cycle this. But when it matters on turns two, three, and four, and five, when you're trying to win the game, then giving up one of your resources for another resource is is a big trade. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I just think these are great. And again, it goes back to that thing of like, I I think this this is where this is where the power level should be for magic. It's, it's a real shame that it isn't, but I'm really glad these cards exist. And I'm glad that this was the, I guess, the ceiling for, for a short while. 
Yeah, I'm really glad we got this incredibly positive episode of Magic. Episode of Magic? <laughs> episode of Devastation out of the way so we could go back to being negative. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I think it's rather than just like another hour of, of just about how, how down we were, I thought like, why not? Why not just, just try to turn it around and let's see see what positive we can glean from the the train wreck that was 2019 and, and onwards. And I... You know, I, I think we found some cool cards to talk about, and I, I know either one I'm excited to to draft my my silly cube at Magic Fest. Yeah, let's hope that we can get Magic Fest London together in December, right? Yeah, I I'm feeling God, positive I about this. I mean, yeah. Liverpool's a write-off, definitely, but I I think Magic Fest December. It's it's still, you know. Just less than eight months away. I think. I think there's a good chance it's it's going to go ahead. Yeah, and it's going to be the best Magic Fest anyone's ever been to. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. It just it, it it won't matter because everything could go bad. You could lose all your games. You could you know lose money on trades and stuff and have the worst time. You could probably get mugged, but it'll be the first Magic Fest you've experienced in over twelve months, and you'll have an incredible time. So yeah. I'm really hoping it goes ahead because it's just going to be great anyway. Yeah, I can't wait. Awesome. Yep. And on that note, I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. If you want to get in touch and let us know your feelings about these cards, like what what were some cool cards that you played with in 2019 that just, just weren't broken or ubiquitous, I'd be interested to know. So hit us up on social media. You can get at us on Twitter. We are at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you've really enjoyed anything you've heard in today or previous episodes and you want to give back in any sort of monetary value, you can check us out on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash Hour of Devastation, where tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. You can find the podcast on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher, apparently, because I checked on Stitcher and our podcast is there, despite the fact that I've never told anyone to put it up there. It's come from somewhere, so you can get it there if you prefer Stitcher for some reason. It might have been me, and if it was, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't ever remember putting it on Stitcher, but uh, I was looking at the stats on SoundCloud and it said that some, some people had streamed it from Stitcher. I was like, oh, I haven't put it there. Why is it on there? But it is. So if you like Stitcher, I don't know who does, <laughs> but you can find the podcast there. If you want to go to any of those platforms and leave us a review or a comment or a rating, we'd really appreciate it because it helps get the podcast out to more people or just tell someone that you know to listen to it because you like torturing your friends. <laughs> it's all greatly appreciated. If you Absolutely. Want to find me on my own personal social media on Twitter. I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. That's over there. Or on Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. You know, not not so much wheeling and dealing and trading these days. Um, but I'm definitely definitely still down for conversation, no matter what. You also catch me on Twitch, Twitch.tv/PeachGardenOaf, where I've been streaming a bit of Arena. Uh, maybe I'll stream some Magic Jewels at some point. That's probably something I might do this weekend. Could be a bit of a laugh. Yes, I'm sure that's the content that Magic players have been crying out for. <laughs> no, I know that actually sounds pretty cool. It, yeah, I get to I mean, actually see Magic Jewels for the first time ever. Hey, if, if people if people are willing to go back and play Chandler, then why not give Jewels a chance? I think there's a difference there, and I think you know what it is. Yeah. Where can people <laughs> find you on the internet, Sam? <laughs> you can find me at snail69 nice. on Twitter. Thank you if you want to look at weird drawings I've done and me tweeting about World of Warcraft. Because <laughs> who doesn't want that kind of content? Yeah, there was a time where I definitely would have would have devoured that. I mean, if you want to see a picture of a really fat dolphin wearing a cowboy hat, please. Please what? go to my Twitter. I know what I'm going to do as soon as we end this. Have you not seen it? Not have you not yet, seen no. Sheriff Fatboy? No, not yet. Oh, no, I have. Yeah, no, well, I have, yeah. 
Yeah, a couple of my friends have started doing a, a, a draw club over Instagram. On Instagram Live, where they stream themselves and we, we draw some pictures of animals. And I decided to ruin mine by adding a accoutrement for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Once again, the Godfather has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour Devastation. Oh, 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 o